first, I wanted to share. Um, so next month, coming up here in really just a few days, uh, in June, my wife and I will celebrate our 14-year wedding anniversary. So 14 years, for us, that's a big deal. Some of you are like, you're not even halfway there yet. Keep going. But man, it's been a great almost 14 years. And, and what has happened over the course of our 14 years of marriage, and this is not the only box. There is more than this. This was the smallest one. Uh, Becky has compiled and kept all of these cards and letters and notes and any of these like mementos over the last 14 years. So I was asking her this last week. I was like, do you still like have all that stuff? And she's like, of course, don't you keep all of our stuff? And I said, yes, I do <laughs> with all of your stuff. And so it's just kind of fun to go back and look through. And again, there's cards and notes. I'm definitely not reading any of these to you all. Uh, but as you, nope, sorry. Uh, there is one. I will read one to you in a second. Uh, but as I go through this, it kind of dawned on me and made me think of what's in this box and all the other boxes over the last 14 years. These are nice and these are great and these are heartwarming and it's fun to look back on, but nothing in these boxes really proves the love that Becky and I have for each other. Like you could look back and be like, oh, I remember saying this and all oh, that was really nice when you gave that. But none of these words would have really mattered if over the last 14 years, we didn't show that love to one another, right? We have good memories of these because it's, it brings up how we have shown love. It's not just here's why you love me and here's proof that you love me. Like that's part of it. But the words are only half the equation, right? Words are only half. If we have the words but no actions, I start to, we would all second guess the words. If you had the actions and no words, well, that wouldn't be healthy either. So you have to have both. And so I told you I'd read one. Here's, here's actually Becky's Mother's Day gift from, from myself and the kids just a few weeks ago. And I gave all that to get to this of we've learned that over the years where, yes, words most certainly matter but the sappy romantic love, if it's not backed up with action, really doesn't go very far. So this was Becky's Mother's Day card from me and the kids. And it actually says Mother's Day contract, not a card. It is a Mother's Day contract. Here's what myself, Connor, Cole, and Collins wrote to Becky. Here it is. Brian, Connor, Cole, and Collins all agree to take family photos at the time and place that Becky chooses. We promise to not complain, not argue, to get along, to wear what she picks out for us, enjoy the photos, and most importantly, smile. And we all signed it. <laughs> There's nothing sappy about that card. There's nothing lovey-dovey, but that, I mean, she almost had tears in her eyes when she opened up that card because... There was an action tied to it. There was a promise associated with it. It wasn't just words. It was followed up by actions. That idea of love, even the word love, gets so watered down in our world today. I mean, we talk in one sense about how we love somebody in our family, but we also love pizza and how we love this thing, and then we love this person. And really, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time when we're using the word love today, it feels like we're just talking about a preference or something we enjoy or like, not something that we would biblically say we truly 
love. If you didn't know this, there's multiple words in the original Greek language that help us understand what love really is and the type of love that we're learning about. There's the family kind of love that you have towards mom and dad and siblings. There's also the friendship type of love that you have with those closest to you. There's also just that good old romantic love. But out of all of those loves, there's a word, you might know this, that scripture in the New Testament is used quite often in refers to love. Anybody know it? What's that Greek word? Starts with an A. That's right, agape love. That word is very, very different when you compare it to a family love, a romantic love, or a friendship love. It is very truly a sacrificial type of love. John chapter 13, we're told this. Jesus is speaking in, in John chapter 30, 13, verse 34. We're told, so now I am giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus' words to his disciples. Here's the new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now that is a very well-known passage. Jesus has said that here and something similar throughout his ministry that we read about in the gospels. And that idea of agape love is foundational to a Christian's walk with him and a Christian's walk through life. Love, that, that sacrificial, unconditional love is foundational to our faith because it's the kind of love that Jesus has shown us. Jesus' words are very clear. The way that I've loved you, that's how you love other people. It's not the way that you would wanna be treated, it's the way that I've treated you. And that becomes, at, at, in many ways, the very foundation when we understand the type of love that Jesus has for us and then what we are called to do with that, not just in words, but also in actions. So this is great. And again, if you've been in the church, or if you've been a, a Christ follower for a while, like you know that. Yeah, 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 I know I'm supposed to love God and love others. I know I'm supposed to love people the way that Jesus has loved me. But just because we know it, I have found that I need to be reminded of it often. And this is one of the stories we get towards the end of Jesus's ministry. And of course, as throughout our study of John, we cannot leave this one out. So what Jesus said, he said, just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Now to do that well, we actually have to fully understand, well, how did Jesus actually love us? Because this is before Jesus has gone to the cross. So as he's talking to his disciples, he's obviously referring to something very specific. Just as I've loved you. He said, just as I've loved you, that's an example. That's how you love one another. So if we're truly going to understand this, to know how to love others, well, we need to understand exactly the way that Jesus loved them. So to find that out, we're going to look at the story that precedes that new commandment from Jesus. That's found, chapter 13, but starting in verse 1. Here's the story. We're going to see it in three different sections and through this entire account where Jesus is interacting with his disciples. I want you to pay attention to this idea of how has Jesus loved me and how am I supposed to love others? It's foundational to our faith. How has Jesus loved me and how do I then love others? The story begins, John chapter 13, verse one. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and to return to his father. So he's talking about his crucifixion. He knows his time is about up. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. 
It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Before you see verse 4, pay attention to two words that were each mentioned twice, loved and knew. We're told that Jesus loved his disciples from the very beginning, that he loved them to the very end, but he also knew some things. Jesus was fully aware what laid in front of him. He knew the cross was coming. He knew the power that he had. He knew the authority that had been given to him. He knew where he would be going next as he would ascend to the Father. So you have this, this great dynamic of the, the people that Jesus loved and the things that Jesus knew. Isn't it interesting how sometimes the more we know, the more we love. The more we know, sometimes the less we love. Isn't that true? That sometimes our love is conditional based on our knowledge and our understanding. So for Jesus, he knew, he knew the cross was coming. He knew Judas was betraying him. He knew the authority and the power that he had. And so how would Jesus choose to love, to show love in this moment? Verse four, so knowing all that Jesus knew, loving the disciples the way that he loved them, here's the response we get from Jesus. Verse four, so he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. What Jesus did not do is stand up at the table and begin to give a speech on why he loved his disciples. What Jesus did not do was stand up and read from a wonderful card that just tells his disciples how much he loves them. No, Jesus doesn't even say a word at this point. He gets up. He wraps a towel around his waist, gets on his knees, and begins to wash his disciples' feet. That is a picture of love. That is love, not just in word. We're told that Jesus loved them, but now he is showing it. Love is shown. Love has to be shown. And specifically here, two things I want to point out just real quick and then we'll move on. That the way that Jesus showed love here, two quick things. One, it was up close and personal. You cannot wash somebody's feet from a distance. You have to be right there, hands on, in the middle of it. Jesus was up close and personal in the way that he showed love. It wasn't a theoretical idea. It wasn't a, well, at some point I'll make good on this. It was right here right now, in the moment, on his knees, with their dirty feet in his hands. It was up close and personal. It was also very simple, very simple. I mean, think through the, the act of washing feet is not difficult. It's not hard. It does not require really any preparation. It doesn't require hardly any planning. It doesn't require any intelligence or smarts whatsoever. It doesn't require really any finances, yet it is a beautiful act of love. Up close and personal, and one of the most simple things that you could ever do. Simple, still extremely significant, but simple. I've found that so often we, we me included in this, we 
don't show love because we're trying to find that extravagant way to show love. And we miss some of the simple and up close and personal opportunities we have every single day. This happened at the dinner table. This happened in the moment. Up close and personal and very simple. Jesus has a little bit of a dialogue back and forth between him and we're told more so about Peter. And again, you see Peter's personality come out in this. You can read through that. We're gonna skip down to verse 12. After Jesus finishes washing his disciples' feet, verse 12, here's what happens next. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? What a great question. Parents, just perk up for a quick second. That question should be mentioned and used throughout your house all the time. Anytime that you are showing love, parents, ask your kids that question. Do you understand why we treated this person that way? Do you understand why we gave the way that we did? Do you understand why we said what we said? Do you understand why we didn't act the way that we might've wanted to act? Do you understand what we did? What a great teachable moment and what a great question to ask. Jesus asked his disciples, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord. We talked about that last week. And you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you, and say this word with me, it's crucial. I've given you an example. I've given you an example to follow. So do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. It's about the example. Do you understand what I'm actually doing? So not only did Jesus show love, he showed love in a very specific, very intentional way. Jesus showed love through two things, service and sacrifice. Through serving and through sacrifice. Now I'll tell you a little bit of a confession time for you here. Um, So most of you know this. If not, I work out of Panera like most of the week. I do meetings there. I do a lot of my sermon prep there and my research and my writing. So here I am. Wednesday morning is like my deep work time. Wednesday morning, I've got my passage we're already going to go through. So I'm digging into God's word for you. And I'm writing down things, trying to make it applicable, make sure that it's helpful, make sure that it's understandable. And I'm reading through other commentaries. And I'm in the zone trying to make sure that I'm ready to talk about love and sacrifice and service come Sunday. And I get a phone call. And most of the times, if you call me on a Wednesday morning, I will ignore your phone call because I'm zoned in and I'm working. But there is a phone number that I will never ignore, my wife's number. So she called me Wednesday morning right in the middle of writing this, like that word, that phrase I just shared with you that I took so much effort and so much time and so much prayer to put on paper that love is shown through service and sacrifice. And then my wife calls right after I wrote that. And she says, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm working. What are you supposed to be doing? And she says, well, and she works at a preschool and they've been having like preschool graduation all week and they're doing cleanup. Like she's been crazy busy. She did a great job this last week. And she's like, in all the chaos, I forgot the kid's car seat at home and I can't leave because we're cleaning up all this graduation stuff. Can you run home, pick up the car seats that I forgot, she said, and then bring them over to the preschool. 
And I'll tell you, I will be 100% honest with you. What started rolling through my mind was I, I, I can't just walk away from what I'm doing. I'm studying God's word, preparing for this message. I'm right in the middle of it. If I don't get it done now, I don't know when. I mean, all I'm thinking of all these other things. My, my schedule was slammed on Wednesday and I carved out a very intentional time to talk about love and service and sacrifice. And this is not fitting in at all with my schedule. My wife is ruining my message on love and service and sacrifice. And the moment that crossed my head, I said, yes, I'll be right there. <laughs> and then I, no joke, I shot her, I, I sent her a screenshot. I said, this is a, literally what I'm working on the moment you called me. And she said, well, there's your sermon illustration. I said, yes, it is. <laughs> Yes, it is. Can we all agree? Hey, I'm a great husband for doing that. Be a terrible pastor for thinking all those things. But when it comes to love, there is a cost to love, isn't there? There is a cost. So, I mean, that morning when Becky and I both went our separate ways and I went to do my work and she went to do her work, we both kissed and said, I love you. Oh, but then I got called on it. And then I had to actually put the actions to back it up. Was I willing to not just speak of love, but was I willing to do what love requires? Was I willing to pay the cost of my love for her? Which usually comes out in those two ways, service and sacrifice. That is the cost of the love that Jesus is talking about here with his disciples. Let's talk about those two words just for a second in regards to showing love through service and sacrifice. How did Jesus show love through service? Well, he served people. And that's not a one-time thing for Jesus. That was the course of his ministry was serving other people, allowing his routines and his schedules to get interrupted by people in need. He was constantly serving people all the way to the cross, still serving people. Now, here's what makes that even more intense and important. Go back to what Jesus knew. Jesus knew the hearts of those men that he was washing the feet of. He knew that Peter would deny him. He knew that Thomas would doubt him. He even knew, verse 11 tells us, for Jesus knew who would betray him. Jesus was washing the feet of the man that had already in his heart betrayed Jesus, and he still washed his feet. The rest of the disciples all fleed and ran and hid when Jesus was arrested. And here he was still serving them. We serve people, not because they deserve it, not because they've earned it, but because that's the kind of love that Jesus has shown us. That's the way that Jesus serves us, not by merit, but by agape love, unconditional, service-type, sacrificial love. So we serve people in that way, not because they deserve it, not because we have nothing else to do, but because we love the way Jesus loves us. Let's talk about sacrifice. How did Jesus show love through sacrifice? Well, in this instance, he sacrificed his position. Now, the idea of foot washing back in Jesus's day was very, very common. Like it would almost be, not quite, but almost equivalent if you were to come over to my house and I were to say, can I take your coat? 
Like that's just a common courtesy. When you are a guest in somebody's home, that's one of the first things that you offer. Can I take your coat? Can I get you something to drink? Right, that's what you would offer. Foot washing was in that category of common courtesy. Wearing sandals all day, walking around, feet are dirty. So when they come into the house, the host of the home would say, well, not, I'm not gonna wash your feet, but I've got a servant over here that would be more than happy to take care of you. So they would pawn off this common courtesy to the servant or the slave of the house. So what Jesus did here was not uncommon. What made it uncommon was the fact that it was him that was doing it. He took that position of a servant. We've talked about before weeks ago, the idea of a bond slave or a bond servant, where Jesus willingly took on that position, lowered himself to the most humble of positions to show love. Service. Showed love through service by serving people, not because they deserved it. And even knowing their heart, he still served. Sacrifice. Taking on the lowest position possible. He sacrificed his position. What really would have been deserving would be for the disciples to have washed Jesus' feet. Like that would have made a lot more sense, which is why Jesus had to ask the question, do you understand what just happened here? I'm your Lord, I am your teacher, yet this is how I treated you. This is how I showed you love. That type of love, that type of service, that type of sacrifice, that's the kind of love I want you to have for other people. That's the kind of love, but it requires service and it requires sacrifice. Jesus showed the highest level of love in this situation, the highest level of love by taking the lowest position, by sacrificing his divine position. Jesus gives very, very similar words in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Again, trying to help his disciples understand how a life of following Jesus, following him would be different. Not just saying, I'll follow you, but truly following Jesus and how it's different. Verse 28 out of Matthew chapter 20. For even the son of man, talking about himself, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Do you see service in there? He used the word. Do you see sacrifice in there? To give his life as a ransom for many. Love that is shown should include loving through service and loving through sacrifice. And when that happens, then people start to notice, which is the last part of this, verse 31. This will kind of tie into where we started. Verse, verse 31, still in chapter 13. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, the time has come for the son of man to enter into his glory and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son and will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you cannot come where I'm going. Here's where we picked it up, verse 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. But not just love each other, because man, that can be misinterpreted. How do we love each other? Jesus says, just as I have loved you, just as I washed your feet, just as I showed you love, not just talked about love, not just expressed my love through words, but I've shown you love through serving you and through sacrificing my position, through service and sacrifice. That's how I've loved you. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another, and this is key, will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's interesting that Jesus tagged on that last line. It wasn't just a new commandment. He added the why behind it. 
well, why do we have to follow you? You got kids, there's always a why question. Well, why do we have to do what you say? Why do we have to follow these rules? Why can't I jump off that? Why can't I climb this fence, right? It, there's usually a need for a why. Jesus answers the why before anybody asks the why. Just as I've loved you, so you should love one another because notice what happens again, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Again, I said earlier that love is foundational to the faith of a Christian, to the, the life of a Christian. But it's not just expressing through words that love for God and others. It's lived out. It has to be lived out. Jesus doesn't say, well, your, your actions and how you prove to the world uh, that you are my disciples, it has nothing to do with your convincing arguments. It has nothing to do with, with your debates. It has nothing to do with your social media posts. It has everything to do with your actions, not just in word, but also in deed. He says, your love for one another will prove that you actually follow me. Not just say you follow me, but actually follow me. Love is shown. It is shown through service and sacrifice, and love is the proof. Love is the proof that backs up all the things that we say all the things that we declare, all the things that we claim to believe. Our love and action is what backs that up. It is the proof. What we do will either prove or disprove what we say. Let me say that again. What we do, the actions of our lives, how we treat one another, how we love or don't love will either prove or disprove what we say we believe. My youngest, Collins, she's now five, when she walks out of the kitchen with a bunch of ice cream all over her face. And I say, Collins, have you been in the ice cream? Her response nine out of 10 times is no. As the dad, I have to make a decision. She told me no, I had nothing to do with the ice cream, but everything that I'm seeing is painting a very different picture. It looks like you've been in the ice cream. I see it on your face and all over your hands. I see the smirk. I see that you walked out of the kitchen. So everything that you're telling me is not matching up to everything that I'm seeing. And for the life of a believer, how do we match up? We're not gonna be perfect, I get that. But what we say should be backed up by the love that we show because love is the proof. Jesus says, one more time, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It's the proof. There's an artist, Max Greiner, and uh, he made a very, very famous sculpture, a bronze sculpture in 1989. And I say very famous because this has been put everywhere in large life-size versions all the way to small versions that have sat on desks of some very influential people throughout the world. Uh, if you just Google Max Greiner and then the name of his bronze sculpture is Divine Servant, you will see all the different people that have taken pictures next to or have purchased, again, from small versions all the way to life-size versions. This is what it looks like. As you can see, Divine Servant, it is a bronze sculpture of Jesus washing, in this case, Peter's feet. And if you, were, if you saw it a little bit closer, if you Googled it and put it up on your phone, you would notice some very interesting details that were very intentional by the artist. 
For one, you'll see Peter, if you look close, he's very tense. In fact, even in the sculpture, you see veins popping out of his neck and his forehead. It's a very tense moment for Peter, yet for Jesus, he's relaxed. Notice the arch of his back, yet you still see the strength of his arms. You see, in reality, a tense man and an in-control man. The most important part that he would say about his sculpture is the fact that the only way for you to see Jesus' face in the sculpture is to yourself get on your knees. There's no way to see the face of Jesus. You can see Peter's face just fine, but there's no possible way to see the eyes of Jesus, the face of Jesus, without taking a low position, without yourself being humbled and to get on your knees. That's how we love, because that's the kind of love that Jesus has shown us through service as well as sacrifice. So for many of you, that's nothing new, but here's why I think this is always helpful to be reminded of, because there's always people in our life that we struggle to love all the time. Again, don't forget who Jesus knew. He knew about Judas. He knew about Peter and Thomas and the rest of the disciples, yet he still chose to love them. So here's my question, and I know there's going to be a name that pops in your head pretty quick. Who is the person that needs to be shown your Christ-like love? Who is that person? Who in your life, who is around you that needs to be shown your, not just love, your Christ-like love? So let's go a little bit further. So then what does it look like to serve them? What does it look like to sacrifice for them? What will you sacrifice for them? If true love, as Jesus portrays it, is shown through service and sacrifice, how will you serve and what will you begin to sacrifice? In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, many of you are probably familiar with it. It's known as the love chapter. And yes, it's used in romantic situations and weddings. But again, that word agape is what's used for the love here as well. Let me read verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no, this is not fun to read, is it? it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That is a beautiful and difficult definition and picture of love. So who needs that? What person needs that kind of love for you? You probably noticed when you walked in, you sat on a card that looks like this. Go ahead and grab that card for a second. We're going to go in just a little, we're going to lean in just a little bit more. Because sometimes we can just think of a name and yeah, 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 I need to do better with them. Yeah, I need to love them. I need to serve them. I need to sacrifice for them. But let's take 1 Corinthians 13, that section, and let's put some blanks in there, right? Because if love is truly like that, well, then how do we show that kind of love? So there's a lot of blanks next to each of these that you and I have the privilege of starting to fill in, Right? I had this, uh, somebody gave me a suggestion earlier where husbands and wives, you ought to swap cards, let the other person fill yours out, and then you can hand it back. I only do that, I only suggest that if you have a very strong marriage. <laughs> so who do you need to be patient to? Write a name in. Who do you need to be kind to? Write a name in. 
Who do you need to stop being jealous of? Write an amen. Not rude to, write an amen. Not irritable towards. You probably need more than that amount of space to write that one in. Doesn't give up on who do you need to write in. Always hopeful for who do you need to write in. Who? The who is so important because you cannot love without another. You cannot love without a who because love is shown towards another person. Just as Jesus has loved us, may we love one another the way that he loved us. Now, whether you have started filling this out or not, I'm sure going through that feels a little overwhelming, right? It's like, I don't know if I can do all of these. Like that feels like a, a bar set way, way, way too high. I don't think I have it in me to love this person in that way all the time. I don't think I have it in me. And I would tell you, if that's that thought that went through your head, I don't think I have it in me, I would look at you and say, I completely agree with you. I don't have it in me to love everybody that comes to mind in each of these ways consistently. So let me real quick, I'm gonna read two passages. I'll put them up on the screen. Hear the commonality here. Romans 5, verse 5, and this, is, and this hope will not lead us to disappointment. Look, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Galatians 5, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The commonality there is it is not a love that Brian has on his own. It is not a love that you can just muster on your own. It's not a love that you just can grow yourself over time. It's not a love that you can obtain through experience. It's not a love that comes from you. In both, both scriptures, it's because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The role of the Holy Spirit, part of it, is to fill our hearts with his love. Galatians tells us the same thing, but the, the Holy Spirit produces love in us. So if you look at this list, you're like, I can't do this. You're absolutely right. You cannot. Because it's not your kind of love that is to be shown. It is the kind of love that only comes from being loved by Jesus, then you can begin to give that love back out. Before you pick up a towel and try to serve and sacrifice and love others, before you try to pick up a towel like Jesus, you need to let him love you first. You need to let him wash your feet first. Jesus washed his disciples' feet first and then said, now go and do what I've done for you before you try to love someone else, you've got to let Jesus love you first. And you got to allow the Holy Spirit to give you his love and grow that love in you by experiencing the kind of love that he's already given us. It starts with our relationship with him. If you want to have more love in your marriage, start with your relationship with Jesus. If you want to have more love in your family and with your kids, start with your relationship with Jesus. You could go through the list. How do you grow in love? By starting in your relationship with Jesus and let him wash your feet first. When you came in today, you should have gotten communion when you walked in. If not, um, if you'll just kind of raise your hand and our guest services team will be walking around, make sure you've got it. So just be patient as they walk around with you. 
communion is a time for us to remember not just that Jesus washed his disciples' feet, but that he went to the cross and died for us. Service and sacrifice. Communion is an intentional time for us to remember the love that Jesus had for us and continues to have for us. The grace that he gives us, the love that he has for us, the forgiveness that he always gives so that we could have life. With Jesus' sacrifice on the cross in mind, I want to read out of 1 John chapter 4. We'll start in verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Verse 11, what do we do with that knowledge? That's how we started with love and knowledge. How do, what do we do with that knowledge? Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Surely we can love the way Jesus has loved us. Surely the sacrifice that he has made for us and the way that he has served us, surely we can show that kind of love to those around us. In this moment of communion, in just a moment, I'll pray, and then you can peel back the first wrapper that exposes the the bread that represents Jesus' body that was broken for you and for me. The juice represents Jesus' blood that was shed and poured out for you and for me. His death, his sacrifice on the cross is what gives us life. His love is what allows us to have a relationship with him and with other people. So during communion, thank Jesus for his love, a love that was full of service and sacrifice a love that we can't fully comprehend. And in addition to thanking him for that love, would you be willing to commit to loving others the way that he's loved you? And yes, right now it's just words. Right now it's just a shoebox full of promises and love letters. But each and every day, like Jesus showed us, we have the opportunity to love in some of the most simple ways. Simple common, everyday, the up-close-and-personal moments where we serve and sacrifice the people around us the way that Jesus did that for us. Let me pray, and we'll take some time for communion. Jesus, thank you so much for the kind of love that you have for us. It is not a love that we can fully understand or comprehend. It is not a kind of love that is conditional on our behavior, on our past, on our understanding or our knowledge. The kind of love that you have shown us and continue to show us is completely unconditional, full of service and sacrifice. Jesus, thank you for that kind of love that is not dependent on how well I do. Likewise, I pray that in this moment, we aren't just grateful for your love, but we are convicted to have that love for others so that the world will know that what we believe is true, that the world will see us as being different 
And that maybe, just maybe through the love that we show others, maybe we can just give a glimpse of you to them. That the way that we treat others, may that be a seed planted that allows other people to know the true love that's only found in you. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for giving us the gift of grace and the promise of eternal life in heaven with you. May our actions prove what we believe. In Jesus' name, amen.